Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. And Pastor Trav is going is to come and give us the message, the first message of 2022. It's a new, his mercies are new for your preaching, even right now, this morning. Thank you for pointing out that my preaching was in need of mercy as we start <laughs> off on this Sorry. adventurous new year. Oh, man, isn't it fun? The things we say out of the greatest intentions but can be taken the wrong way so easily. And isn't that the problem with everything we see in our world right now? People trying to say the right things, but it'll never be taken the right way because everyone is so broken and messed up and uh, woke, whatever it is. Um, you know, we, we're, we're in a mess. And so today, uh, the title of the message is Doing 2022 Well. And I just want to share three very simple points with you on how your 22 2022 could go a lot better uh, than it potentially could go if you honor principles that are found in God's Word, first of all, but more importantly, uh, if you honor the prophetic reality of how God speaks into your life for this year. And God does that a couple ways. One, He does it through His body. He does it through the church, the rhema Word of God, through the prophetic gift, through preaching, uh, through the leadership of leadership people in the church. But He also prophetically speaks life into us through the written Word of God. And all of these things need to be working together in balance in your life for you to experience the voice of God the way He intended, okay? And so this morning is going to be a bit of a challenge. Before I get there, I do want to take a moment to express our deep appreciation and gratitude uh, from Amy and I and our family uh, for your love and support as a congregation for us. We, we really are, year after year, we're blown away by how you give in the pastor's love offering. And this year, this year is no different. We are, we are just blown away. And we, we do feel... Uh, we do feel loved, not because of the amounts of money, but just knowing that that so many of you are giving and seeding financially into our life. And we, we really do appreciate it. It's humbling, and it's also encouraging. So thank you for that. Uh, 2021, I think I need to give a few nods to a few things that happened. Uh, our church uh, grew through covid uh, through difficulty, through time, our church did not suffer the financial catastrophe so many churches suffered. Uh, that's because you guys are faithful people, and you're being faithful to the vision God has put in front of this house, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, let's see, what, what else? Even though we had a lot of things that we don't do, one of the things we did do that was amazing was uh, blow expectation out of the water uh, in raising some money to look at a possible land purchase. Uh, just so you know, I can give you this update. We have made an offer to purchase the land. We don't know anything other than that, but the offer is in. And uh, we are still looking at all possible options for all possible things. I mean, we are wide open to whatever it is God wants to do. Uh, but it has been a year of excitement. God spoke to us for 2021 and gave us the word move. And I feel like as a church, we did a lot of moving. And, and, I, and that's, that's, that's to your benefit and because of your willingness to go with what God is doing. So uh, thank you for that. And I can't wait to see what we're going to accomplish in this new year as we get to go into it. Um, when I, when I was trying to title the message this morning, I was like freestyle kicking it with JC. It didn't really seem to be the right flavor, though, for where I was able to go with the message in the end. And, and so, so I avoided that and just oh, doing 2022 well, which is, which is overly pragmatic, if you will. It's kind of even boring. Uh, but I want you to remember that 
while we might envision this life in Christ as kicking it freestyle with JC, um, every day should be like a rap music video and that, you know, you're driving fancy cars, wearing bling, you got all the attention from all the people. And if we're being honest, we do kind of have a rock star mentality about our relationship with God, which isn't serving the church really well, if I can just say that and get it out of the way. But we also can't deny that Jesus did come so you and I could live life to the fullest life it could be. And, uh, and that is an amazing thing in itself. Um, and, and what that means, just so you know, to live the life to the fullest as Jesus intended is to actually live a productive and fruitful life in the Spirit, which then will leak into and leach into and bleed into your, your temporal life, your life here on earth. And it has to go in that order, just so you know, uh, for it to work. To, to, to be fruitful in the life of the Spirit, to do the good works He prepared beforehand for you to do in those things, there is the fullness of life that Jesus intended. And so as we start uh, this new year, it's, a, it's about new chances, like we always say. It's new opportunities for Tyson. It's literally a new year of his life. Um, but... Can I just tell you, if it's about the new things, it also needs to be about leaving behind old things. And we, we say that in things like resolution, and, and we intend never to eat the way we did again, and all those things. And, and we're either just a bunch of liars or we're hopelessly lost, and it probably is a little bit of both. But the reality must be this. If you're going to do something new, then something old has to be left behind. There is no new life without the passing of old life. There are no new moments without the passing of time, therefore creating past or old moments. These, these things are displayed to us in the physical reality of the world that we live in. And somehow, I feel like in the spiritual realm, we don't accept those things as true. We, somehow we are grasping for or believing that eternal is constantly the same. And that's just not how it works. That's not how God designed anything to do. And so we, we really need to understand that God gives us this true gift of the newness of life. Behold, I am doing a new thing. God is all about these new things. But the cost to us is that we truly must let the past become the past. Even these moments right now, as we go through them, are just becoming past. And it's actually not enough then just to leave our past behind if we think somehow we can stay constant where we are, because leaving the past behind to live in the present is too much of a passing moment to live in. And so what are we left with? Well, we're left with a future. And we need a better future or else the past will simply repeat itself. So today, I want to share these very simple three principled thoughts to establish a pattern for a great 2022. All right, are you ready? Now, these are going to be overly simple. I just want you to know that. They are overly simple, but that's because we all are overly simple people. I, I know that could be an insult, but it's, it's actually the truth. We, we, do, we do well with simple, don't we? Number one, you want to have a great 2022, turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Well, pastor, we all do that. No, you don't. You don't. Because I see what we all post on social media. I see what we do. I see how the marriages are going. I see how the kids are. We, we see you. We see you. You can't hide from the Spirit of God. Even if you stop coming to church and just attend online, you cannot hide from the Holy Spirit. God is not out to get you. We are not out to get you. But Jesus came, and therefore we exist, to seek and save those who are lost. 
So you, you can't escape it, okay? But uh, I, I, my notes say, turn your eyes to Jesus. No, seriously. Seriously. Turn your eyes to Jesus. We say we do it, but we really aren't doing it, and it leaks everywhere out of us. And it is hard. I'll acknowledge it's hard personally. It's hard corporately. It's hard for me, and it's hard for you to turn our eyes to Jesus in every circumstance. But I want you to know, and you must believe, that it can be done. Hebrews 12, verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We set our eyes on Jesus. And I I just want you to know, there's actually so much doctrine in this one verse but the context, if, you, if, you, if you're willing to go into the greater context of Hebrews 12 too, you would have to read the entire chapter, Hebrews 12. And I hope that you will. I hope that rather than think what comes out of Generations Church is not good enough for you to meditate on and therefore look for whatever next Bible study it is that you think you might need, maybe it would be beneficial to actually meditate on the Word of God that the Spirit of the living God is speaking through the leadership of a church into your life on a weekly basis. Everybody's kind of doing that, amen. The front row people are like really quietly whispering amen right now because they don't want to offend the woke mob, right? But you all aren't the woke mob, I don't think. But, but, but really, Hebrews chapter 12, you can meditate on that for the next three months, and you will not be done soaking up everything it can offer you. I get a half hour to, to 40 minutes once a week to, to change your life in the presence of God, to be a conduit for what God wants to say. And let's just face it, some of you don't even have your eyes on the message that comes from church, let alone Jesus. But can I just tell you, you can leave a part of the past behind and step into a new future by taking seriously the Word of God that comes out of those who are set to guard your soul. And it's not just me. There's a whole team of people We'll get to that a little more in a second. So there's so much more. But when I say there's a bunch of what we call context around this verse that would prove helpful to your walk, by context, what I mean is, just to be simple this morning, by context, I mean the words that will help you understand, and by verses, I mean the whole chapter. See, we tend to broadcast all kinds of crap into our own lives. We do. And in doing so, what we unintentionally do is water down the prophetic words of life spoken to us by Jesus, by His Spirit, by His servants in the kingdom of God through His body. And the prophetic revelation of the written word becomes watered down by all of the things we are adding to it, by what we turn our eyes to Monday through Saturday. This message is as old as the church itself. It's as old as humankind itself. You will have no other gods before me. God actually had to tell his people that. Now that seems kind of funny, I hope, to you and I, that God would actually tell his own people, you, are, you can't have any other gods ahead of me. But given our nature, it needed to be said, and it still needs to be said. So when we say turn your eyes on Jesus, it's not the figurative artistic, turn your eyes to Jesus, we are meaning metaphorically, allegorically, literally, turn your eyes to Jesus. 
Set your eyes on Him, on His kingdom, on what He's doing. Remember when Peter, we talked about him just a couple weeks ago. Peter had the audacity to say, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter steps out of the boat. We'll just relive the moment for your sake. Uh, He steps out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water. But then the Bible says he began to what? He began to look at the waves and the wind. He took his eyes off of Jesus. That's not a new message. Millions of preachers have preached that thought. But you know, it's still worth saying. It's still worth preaching. It's still worth bringing up. Because our need is so centered around our focus on Christ. It is the only fulfillment that you can truly experience. Nothing else will truly fulfill you. When we let social media, when we let our brokenness in our past broadcast its version of truth into our lives, we are setting ourselves up for doom, for failure, to repeat the past over and over and over again. And what's worse, to have that same iniquity then visited upon our children and our children's children and our children's children's children. Because that's how iniquity works. So when we turn our eyes to Jesus, listen, this does not mean that you focus on Jesus and you you by, by, by that relationship then get to ignore everything else in this world. You can't become so heavenly focused that you become no earthly good. That's impractical and dumb. I would say stupid, but I've been told that's the S word. You're not allowed to say that in church. I, I say it, and I keep getting in trouble for it. So it's dumb. <laughs> now there's going to be a D word I get lectured on. Listen, any one of us can understand this. Because we all, if we, can, if we still have the benefit of sight in our life, there's something called vision. And then what else is there? There's peripheral vision. And just because I'm focusing on my wife, never, ever, ever has it meant that I don't see everything my children are doing. Moms have peripheral vision that goes 360. I don't know if you know that. My mom used to play the organ in church, and I had to sit near the front row at all times. And she had, the, she had a 360-degree peripheral. Or it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> she could be playing the organ away, deep hymn, and mom would lift her chin. And, you know, she's very, my, mom, my mom very much feels the presence of God. So I remember that lots of times. Even in those moments, she could still, <laughs> she just knew, right? She knew. And... Uh, just because we turn our eyes to Jesus and set our eyes on Christ does not mean we don't have things happening in the peripheral. Come on. Don't overcomplicate it and don't oversimplify what God has called us to do. But if you let what should be peripheral become central to your vision, you will miss Jesus altogether. Behold him. Don't miss it. All right? Um, So uh, people can be peripheral but not focal. Got it? Okay, get it, got it, good. That's, that's one thing we can say. Okay, so speaking of people, let's go to number two. And by number two, I mean the second point. That was for all the eight-year-old boys in the room. All the eight-year-old boys. They didn't get it, though, apparently. All right. <laughs> number two. Point number two. Bullet point number two. Stop doing life with toxic people. Stop it. 
Don't do life with toxic people. Now, don't worry. This will have the same attachment to it as focal versus peripheral, but we're going we're gonna to unpack this just a little. This is probably really harsh-sounding truth for most people, but it is still the truth. It's still the truth. It's important that you learn the difference between agape loving your neighbor and trying to do life with unfaithful or unbelieving people. There is no black or white zone here. There is no formula for getting this part right. But if you want to prosper in your soul and spiritual life and your family, you will need to leave some people behind this year. You will. And, and, and if I can just say this in love to you, there are some people who deserve to be left behind. And, and it's not because we, we, we despise them or we want ill things for them or we don't have hope for them. It's because, frankly, you hanging around in your brokenness to try and connect with their brokenness all the time is interfering with what God wants to do in their life and yours. See, this is what happens is we inherently try to trust ourselves more than we trust God, and it never works out well. So we need to learn in the Spirit and by the Spirit of God to leave toxic people behind, understanding that we can still agape, we can still love them. And we can still have some, some level of relationship in life, but you cannot do life with toxic people and expect not to become toxic yourself. 1 Corinthians 5.9, when I wrote you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. Ow. Well, we have people in family like that. Yes, you do. You do. And the Spirit of God would say to you today, you need to leave people behind. Because He wants to do something in their life. And you know what? It might not involve you. And you will be better for it, and so will they. Context matters once again. Even Paul had to bring context back to the church at Corinth in this passage. He's saying something again to bring more clarity to it. The problem is, well, in, Paul, in Paul's case, what did he do here? He said, don't, eat, don't associate with unbelievers or unfaithful people or toxic people or people who are indulging in sin. And then he has to come back in another letter and say, what, what, what I mean to say is, just a little rabbit trail that's worth taking, I think, this morning. When you're understanding Scripture and reading Scripture and studying Scripture and researching Scripture, just in the context of this verse, can you always understand, please, that the pastoral letters are written as a response to questions the church had? So when you encounter really doctrinal things in there, it's because there is the Holy Spirit who is inspiring the Word that's being written, and it's because there are biblical principles that are being built upon, and it's that there is a context to every situation that the answer is coming to. And you and I need to understand the context that this needs to be applied to, which we have to have the Spirit, Holy Spirit for. We must have the Holy Spirit. Um, I, it's a whole other message or maybe a, a weekly study or something to get into the, the right understanding of how to read Scripture and not become arrogant or legalistic. 
because that's usually what happens to people. But here's the problem. When we try to live life or do life with toxic people, we try to, we try to create life-giving relationship with people who are life-taking rather than life-giving. We actually put ourselves at great risk, and therefore many around us become at risk because we lose sight of our goals. Trying to do life with people who don't want the life Christ has for them is impossible for us. Now again, there is a missional aspect to reaching the lost, but that is different than living in Christ and moving in Christ and having our being in Christ. Can you, can you understand the difference? Can you perceive that there is a difference? Maybe that's the place to start. Because I think a lot of us try to do life, and we really are. We're trying to be missional, but what we're doing is we're giving our heart to the mission rather than to Jesus. And in doing so, we become impacted deeply and hurt and wounded, and we become uh, infected by that toxic, carnal reality that people are lost in. And it begins to leach into us and affect everything we do. And before long, we're questioning whether or not we even heard God from God in the first place. So we are still able, even though we might not do life with toxic people, in, in, in the context of how we're talking this morning, it doesn't mean that we're not able to live at peace with everyone because the Scripture tells us to do that as well. We're still able to love our neighbor because there's no option for us. We must love our neighbor. We're still able to minister to people. And in order to do that, I'll refer you to point number one, set your eyes on Christ. Because there's no other way. Here's, here's how you get through this. Again, there's no, and it's not just me. There's a whole team of people. We'll get to that a little more in a second. So there's so much more. When I say there's a bunch of what we call context around this verse that would prove helpful to your walk, by context, what I mean is, just to be simple this morning, by context, I mean the words that will help you understand, and by verses, I mean the whole chapter. See, we tend to broadcast all kinds of crap into our own lives. We do. And in doing so, what we unintentionally do is water down the prophetic words of life spoken to us by Jesus, by his spirit, by his servants in the kingdom of God through his body. And the prophetic revelation of the written word becomes watered down by all of the things we are adding to it, by what we turn our eyes to Monday through Saturday. This message is as old as the church itself. It's as old as humankind itself. You will have no other gods before me. God actually had to tell his people that. Now that seems kind of funny, I hope, to you and I, that God would actually tell his own people, you, are, you can't have any other gods ahead of me. But given our nature, it needed to be said, and it still needs to be said. So when we say turn your eyes on Jesus, it's not the figurative artistic, turn your eyes to Jesus, we are meaning metaphorically, allegorically, literally, turn your eyes to Jesus. Set your eyes on him, on his kingdom, on what he's doing. Remember when Peter, we talked about him just a couple weeks ago. Peter had the audacity to say, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter steps out of the boat. We'll just relive the moment for your sake. Uh, 
He steps out of the boat, and he begins to walk on the water. But then the Bible says he began to what? He began to look at the waves and the wind. He took his eyes off of Jesus. That's not a new message. Millions of preachers have preached that thought. But, you know, it's still worth saying. It's still worth preaching. It's still worth bringing up. Because our need is so centered around our focus on Christ. It is the only fulfillment that you can truly experience. Nothing else will truly fulfill you. When we let social media, when we let our brokenness in our past broadcast its version of truth into our lives, we are setting ourselves up for doom, for failure, to repeat the past over and over and over again. And what's worse, to have that same iniquity then visited upon our children and our children's children and our children's children's children. Because that's how iniquity works. So when we turn our eyes to Jesus, listen, this does not mean that you focus on Jesus and you, you by, by, by that relationship then get to ignore everything else in this world. You can't become so heavenly focused that you become no earthly good. That's impractical and dumb. I would say stupid, but I've been told that's the S word. You're not allowed to say that in church. I, I say it, and I keep getting in trouble for it. So it's dumb. <laughs> now there's going to be a D word I get lectured on. Listen, any one of us can understand this because we all, if we, can, if we still have the benefit of sight in our life, there's something called vision, and then what else is there? There's peripheral vision. And just because I'm focusing on my wife, never, ever, ever has it meant that I don't see everything my children are doing. Moms have peripheral vision that goes 360. I don't know if you know that. My mom used to play the organ in church, and I had to sit near the front row at all times, and she had, the, she had a 360-degree peripheral or it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> she could be playing the organ away, deep hymn, and mom would lift her chin. And, you know, she very, my, mom, my mom very much feels the presence of God. So I remember that lots of times. Even in those moments, she could still, <laughs> she just knew, right? She knew. And uh, it, just because we turn our eyes to Jesus and set our eyes on Christ does not mean we don't have things happening in the peripheral. Come on. Don't overcomplicate it and don't oversimplify what God has called us to do. But if you let what should be peripheral become central to your vision, you will miss Jesus altogether. Behold him. Don't miss it. All right? Um, so uh, people can be peripheral but not focal. Got it? Okay, get it, got it, good. That's, that's one thing we can say. Okay, so speaking of people, let's go to number two. And by number two, I mean the second point. That was for all the eight-year-old boys in the room. All the eight-year-old boys. They didn't get it, though, apparently. All right. <laughs> number two. Point number two. Bullet point number two. Stop doing life with toxic people. Stop it. Don't do life with toxic people. Now, don't worry. This will have the same attachment to it as focal versus peripheral, but we're going we're gonna to unpack this just a little. This is probably really harsh-sounding truth for most people, but it is still the truth. It's still the truth. 
It's important that you learn the difference between agape loving your neighbor and trying to do life with unfaithful or unbelieving people. There is no black or white zone here. There is no formula for getting this part right. But if you want to prosper in your soul and spiritual life and your family, you will need to leave some people behind this year. You will. And and, and if I can just say this in love to you, there are some people who deserve to be left behind. And, and it's not because we, we, we despise them or we want ill things for them or we don't have hope for them. It's because, frankly, you hanging around in your brokenness to try and connect with their brokenness all the time is interfering with what God wants to do in their life and yours. See, this is what happens is we inherently try to trust ourselves more than we trust God, and it never works out well. So we need to learn in the Spirit and by the Spirit of God to leave toxic people behind, understanding that we can still agape, we can still love them. And we can still have some, some level of relationship in life, but you cannot do life with toxic people and expect not to become toxic yourself. 1 Corinthians 5.9, when I wrote you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. Ow. Well, we have people in family like that. Yes, you do. You do. And the Spirit of God would say to you today, you need to leave people behind. Because He wants to do something in their life. And you know what? It might not involve you. And you will be better for it, and so will they. Context matters once again. Even Paul had to bring context back to the church at Corinth in this passage. He's saying something again to bring more clarity to it. The problem is, well, in, Paul, in Paul's case, what did he do here? He said, don't, eat, don't associate with unbelievers or unfaithful people or toxic people or people who are indulging in sin. And then he has to come back in another letter and say, what, what, what I mean to say is... Just a little rabbit trail that's worth taking, I think, this morning. When you're understanding Scripture and reading Scripture and studying Scripture and researching Scripture, just in the context of this verse, can you always understand, please, that the pastoral letters are written as a response to questions the church had? So when you encounter really doctrinal things in there, it's because there is the Holy Spirit who is inspiring the Word and it's being written, and it's because there are biblical principles that are being built upon, and it's that there is a context to every situation that the answer is coming to. And you and I need to understand the context that this needs to be applied to, which we have to have the Spirit, Holy Spirit for. We must have the Holy Spirit. Um, I, it's a whole other message or maybe a, a weekly study or something to get into the, the right understanding of how to read Scripture and not become arrogant or legalistic. Because that's usually what happens to people. But here's the problem. When we try to live life or do life with toxic people, we try to, we try to create life-giving relationship with people who are life-taking 
rather than life-giving. We actually put ourselves at great risk, and therefore many around us become at risk because we lose sight of our goals. Trying to do life with people who don't want the life Christ has for them is impossible for us. Now again, there is a missional aspect to reaching the lost, but that is different than living in Christ and moving in Christ and having our being in Christ. Can you, can you understand the difference? Can you perceive that there is a difference? Maybe that's the place to start. Because I think a lot of us try to do life, and we really are. We're trying to be missional, but what we're doing is we're giving our heart to the mission rather than to Jesus. And in doing so, we become impacted deeply and hurt and wounded, and we become uh, infected by that toxic, carnal reality that people are lost in. And it begins to leach into us and affect everything we do. And before long, we're questioning whether or not we even heard God from God in the first place. So we are still able, even though we might not do life with toxic people, in, in, in the context of how we're talking this morning, it doesn't mean that we're not able to live at peace with everyone because the Scripture tells us to do that as well. We're still able to love our neighbor because there's no option for us. We must love our neighbor. We're still able to minister to people. And in order to do that, I'll refer you to point number one, set your eyes on Christ. Because there's no other way. Here's, here's how you get through this. Again, there's no simple systematic way to do this. Because every situation, every relationship, every opportunity has its own weight, it has its own merits, its own benefits, and its own costs. So what do we do? Well, what did Jesus do? Did Jesus heal every single person he encountered? No, he didn't. Did he heal lots? Yes. Did he heal more than probably are written about in Scripture? I absolutely think so. But what did Jesus say that, 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 that should capture our understanding with how we then are to minister? In John 5.19, Jesus says, The Son only does what He sees the Father doing and only says what He hears the Father saying. Now, if Jesus, in His time on earth, needed constant direction from His Father to do ministry to a broken world, how much more do you think you and I need the direction of His Spirit to help us understand where to invest our time? Jesus said things like, You'll always have the poor with you, but you're only going to have me for a little while. The principle there is simple to me, that the presence of Jesus is far more important than the brokenness of people. But you wouldn't know that looking at a lot of churches. Because what they end up pursuing is the presence of brokenness, not Jesus. Let me just keep it simple for you today. Guys, there is no life in pursuing the presence of brokenness. There's none. You'll only find death there. But when you pursue Jesus in your brokenness, you'll find life and strength, encouragement. You'll find Jesus. If you got ears to hear, then hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning. Um, we tend also sometimes, I think, to think of Jesus as the ultimate bringer together. Er. The ultimate bringer together. But I got to just say, that's not immediately true. It's not. 
Why do I say it? Because Matthew 10, 34 to 10, 36, Jesus says, Jesus says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. What? But you're the Prince of Peace. Yeah, he's the Prince of Peace. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. This doesn't sound like the same Jesus. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. What the heck do you do with that? If you can seek to understand what this means, you will do well. Now, I can't make this make sense to you in the half hour we have together today, but I know someone who can help you make sense of it, and his name is Holy Spirit. It's actually his job. It's, it's actually his purpose in your life to help you understand, to guide you into truth. See, God doesn't want us to do life with toxic people. We are called to love and minister to spiritually sick and dying people. Absolutely we are. But to get into the mess with them and believe that we could never understand until we've walked a mile in their shoes, to actually roll around in the mire of their brokenness, to get in with the gossip and gossip with them for the sake of the gospel is never going to be the gospel. It's just going to be two people gossiping, you see. But at the same time, if your ox, or more importantly, if your son falls into a well on the Sabbath, of course you're going to dive in there to get him. And you're going to get covered in whatever's necessary to get your son out of the well. So understanding this begins with realizing this is not a systematic check-a-box kind of situation. You can't systematically arrive at a right decision in these issues of life. But you can be guided by wise biblical principles. You can be. But even with that, you still need to be directed by the Holy Spirit. Now, I was going to say be guided by the Holy Spirit, but guided is not a strong enough word. You actually need to be directed by the Holy Spirit. In other words, you need to be told what to do. And that creates a whole other sermon's worth of problems in and of itself, I know. Because none of us truly love being told what to do unless Amy asks the question, what should I make for supper? In which case, she only wants to be told what to do. And I don't want to answer the question, you know. But, and I'm sure you can all relate. But understand this. We, guys, we need to be told by the Spirit of God. Remember last, uh, last week or whenever the last time it was that I preached, we ourselves don't even know how to pray. So the Holy Spirit needs to pray through us. But somehow I'm going to stiff arm God and decide how I'm going to handle my toxic in-laws. Not saying that my in-laws are toxic. <laughs> really really careful with that point. Um, Although they're not perfect, and neither are Amy's in-laws perfect. There's there's both admission and shock happening right now, but it's okay. Guys, guys, it's, it's 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 not unloving to understand what the most important things in life are and then see to those. Now, if you were only worshiping yourself, you're, you're undone anyways. But listen, you can't expect to do life with toxic people and thrive. You can't. 
Walk with the wise and become wise. Walk with a fool. Watch your life fall to pieces. I mean, I could literally give you dozens of Bible verses to make this point so clear. But you know what would be better than me spoon-feeding you is you, is you opening the Word of God and letting it examine your heart. All right? We need to be told, we need to be directed, told what to do. All right, number three, um, be in church. You want a great 2022? Be in church. Those of you who have been in church in spite of COVID have thrived. Those of you who have not been in church have diminished. And that's a bold thing for me or anyone to say, but I will, I will go to bat with that any day, any time, any place. I have watched people who I love very much diminish and diminish and diminish and shrink up to nothing. Their spiritual life is a life of weakness because they thought it wise to walk away from the people of God. You got to be in church. And by be in church, I don't just mean show up three minutes after the worship song started, I mean be in the church. Invest in the church, your time, your energy, your love, your life, your money. Invest in relationship. Invest in the people. Invest in the kingdom of God with everything that you have. Right from your dollars to the last words you say before you sleep every night. Invest. Be in the church. Now, this is one of my favorite verses of the Bible that I'm about to share with you. Are you ready for this? Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders. Yeah. I can't believe he would say that. He's clearly talking about himself. Yeah, I am. More importantly, I'm pointing out that the Bible says you have to do that. Why? Because my head is big? No, my head is big because that's my genetics. Um, (laughs) And it's nowhere near as big as some other people's heads. Let me just say that. Specifically, Jakin's. So he has a giant head. He always has had a giant head. Uh, but it's not, it's not full of puffed up air or anything like that. But listen, here's what it says in the NLT. Obey your, leader, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. In other words, be obedient. Right? Obey your leaders, which means do what they say. Listen, this is why, though. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy. Somebody say amen. Amen. And not sorrow. Say a double amen. Amen. No, literally a double amen. Amen. (laughs) See, because sorrow sorrow kills pastors. It kills their hearts. And and, And I could probably find thousands of pastors to show you. Thousands of them. You want to talk about a sad statistic, let's just consider for a minute any given year in North America how many people in ministry leave the ministry. You know why? Because it's hard. And it's unfair. And the victories are not always very clear because they're not temporal victories, they're actually eternal victories. And there is so much more going on than we could ever imagine. Give them, to reason to do, give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. 
that would certainly not be for your benefit. Kids who grow up in houses with frustrated parents know this to be true. If you exasperate your parents' kids, it won't go well with you. If you, if you keep on not picking it up, eventually their patience runs out and the tone begins to change. And it's not quite as fun for you, is it? You know, it was the same when Pastor and Amy and I grew up in our homes too. And it was the same for our parents and their parents and their parents' parents. And, you know, all the way back to the beginning. It's been the same. The last thing I, I wanted you to think about in this message today is with regard to this. We watch over your shoulder, sh- watch over your shoulders. We watch over your souls. Pastors, l- listen to me. Pastors and elders are actually supernaturally empowered to do this work. It's, it's, it's not a physical work. It's not something you can go to college for. It's not something that you can read a book and get. It is something that has to be empowered by God to be able to do. In other words, what I'm saying is, if God takes that anointing off of me, that grace, that provision off of me, I can no longer do the job, period. Period. Can't be done without it. And that's true for myself and Amy, and it's true for our elders in our church, our deacons, our leaders. It's true across the board. It's true of our teenagers in this church who are beginning to develop leadership and spiritual gifting in their own life. It's, guys, these are empowered by the living God, and the power is in the living God, not in the gift. And so, so understand this at all times. I don't watch over your soul because I trained well for it. We watch over your soul because we're equipped to watch over souls. It's a spiritual work, and for some reason, if you feel like you can't trust me, I, I, I can take that. I, I'm okay with that. But you should at least trust God. Because I will fail you. Leaders, people will fail you in some way at some time, hopefully unintentionally, and hopefully not with great harm. But they will fail. They will miss it somewhere. They will speak too quickly, not wait long enough. They will be too kind and not say the right thing because passive aggressiveness is killing our whole world, even in the church. But you should at least be trusting God to have someone watch over your soul. If you're watching online today and you're not going to church, you're not in a church, who is watching over your soul? God? He's watching over the sinner's soul too. But who's watching over your soul? And by the way, you actually need a team, not just one, because you all are dangerous reckless human beings. And that's probably the best thing about you. There's enough Bible in the message I'm sharing with you today to keep you, track, keep you on track in a Bible study that meets once a week for six months. Seriously. And I'm not even done giving you Bible today. Why, why, why is that the case? Why is there so much Bible in a message Why is there the amount that there is? Because the Spirit of God is directing through the leadership of a church what needs to be said to that church. I don't don't get to sit around thinking, man, what do I want to say to our church? I mean, that's I guess there's a part of it, because I do get to say something to our church. 
But I don't want to say what I want to say to the church. I want to say what the Holy Spirit wants to say to the church. Because I will look better for that. Not really. But God gets the glory. And you get the change. And the church gets to grow. And we all become more healthy. But you got to trust God enough to trust his people. You want to have a great 2022? You got to learn to be in the church to trust God enough so you can trust his people. And you're missing out on some of the best parts of life with Jesus when you're not getting that point. Give us the chance to have your back. Give us the chance to watch over your soul, to love you, to do what's in the best interest of your life. Now, I'll invite the worship team to come back, and I'm going to close with one last giant chunk of Scripture. Because in trying to sum up what I'm trying to say, there are hundreds and hundreds of verses and ways we could say it. But if I was forced to pick one thought, this is the thought that resonates out of all my memory of Scripture. This is what you know, what comes into my heart, and I believe it comes from the Holy Spirit. It's Romans chapter 12. And here's what it says in verses 9 to 18. Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Keys to a great 2022. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will actually bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be, too embrow- don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Let me just say who you deem to be ordinary people. Because God deems no one ordinary. And don't think, and please, these are my emphasis placed on the verse. Please don't think you know it all. I don't. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. And do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Now in our woke world, I'm going to invite you to read into this passage really deeply. Because some in this day would claim that as the church, we are called to be meek and impotent and stay at home and wear a mask and go along with whatever. All that stuff, all those issues of conscience and choice, which for the record, I care very little about. Just to be clear, I care very little about these things. But it bothers me that people would respond or their response to the world that we live in today is to somehow become meek, not the godly kind of meekness, but the impotent kind of weakness, meekness. I would tell you that Romans chapter 12 is speaking to us about an opportunity to be incredibly powerful and honorable and dignified in our world today. 
to fight fiercely on our knees in the spiritual realm, but also to do great things in the physical world as well. Speaking the truth in love, praying according to the will of God and to his spirit. To impact the lives of people around us because it is the impact of the church in the community that changes the community. It's not political affiliation. It's not somehow getting the right person in government. Guys, the heart of the people is what is reflected by their government. We have the government we have because Canada believes what it believes. And if you want the government to change, what you and I need to do is get on our knees and cry out to God to change the hearts of the people of Canada so that the government can reflect something that is honorable and dignified and godly. Step one, two, and three of that I just shared with you today. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let everything else become peripheral. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Stop living life, whether it's friends, family, social network, social life. Maybe you need to change a job. But stop trying to do life with toxic people. And be in church. 2022 can look a lot different for you. And it can be a year of tremendous growth and hope and blessing and change. And you might get to see God do things you never imagined he would do when we begin to honor him rightly with our year, with our moments, our days, our actions, our heart, our intentions, and one day even our emotions. We'll get there. Would you stand? I want to pray with you real quick. We're going to sing one last song just like we always do. And you might be here watching this morning and maybe you don't have that relationship with Jesus that assures you that if you died today, you would go to heaven, you'd be in the presence of God. It's a real thing. And there might be something in your heart that's just uh, like a snare drum going off in your chest when we start talking about this. I think you should listen for the voice of God in that. But it's really simple to become a Christ follower. It involves bending your will to his will and asking him to forgive your sin and then turning from your sin and following with him. To go along with him. To let him lead you. To let him direct your steps. That's what it means to become a follower of Christ. And we would love to pray with you to that end this morning if that's something you need. Maybe you have sickness in your body. Maybe you have sickness in your mind. Maybe you are dealing with some kind of horrible fear. You know what? You don't have to leave church today the, way, the same way that you came. And so we have lovely people who are trustworthy, honorable, dignified people, and they would love to pray with you this morning. And they're going to come as we sing just off to the sides to meet with you. I want to tell you again, do not leave church today without giving God the opportunity to give you what your heart needs. Now the last thing, really quick before we sing, let's take a minute and just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to take away from the message today? Ask him. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this moment? 
and silence your heart, silence your mind in the presence of God. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.